When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. The Economist. From The Economist in London, this is Money Talks, a weekly conversation around themes in the worlds of business, finance, and economics. I'm Stan Pignal, the banking editor. And in today's episodes, we'll discuss Glencore's troubles, stalling global trade, and the fickle copper market. Joining me to discuss all this are Henry Trix, our energy and commodity editor, and Mike Jakeman, an economics writer. Henry, let's start with you and Glencore, the the mining and trading group, one of those companies that's so big that its financial figures are often compared to a country's GDP. Uh, But they seem to have run in a spot of trouble. What's going on? Glencore tries to do everything big. They have a uh, big swaggering boss, Ivan Glazenberg, who launched the biggest IPO in, in London in 2011. They did a huge takeover that made them a mining company as well as a trading company. And basically, they've coshed their shareholders over the head in recent months with a precipitous decline in the share price. And this week, as they faced the eventual prospect of a ratings downgrade, they went to their shareholders and they said, we need to do something to shore up this business. They've agreed basically to call on their shareholders for about $2.5 billion extra of capital. They've also announced a $10 billion cut in their debt targets and they're selling off or they're closing down mines and selling off uh, another asset in order to raise money. It's a sort of desperate move that is very important because a downgrade risked what really is the bedrock of their business, which is commodities trading. They were a great commodities trader. They still are a good commodities trader as far as we can see. But when they had this money from their IPO, they used it to turn themselves into a much more of a mining company that was taking a bet on the market. And it's that bet that really has soured. Is this an indictment of the model of combining mining and trading firms? Or is it more specifically related to the fact that the price of commodities has gone through the floor recently? I think it's an indictment of the putting together of mining firms with trading firms in the belief that that is going to make you a more solid trader. All trading firms have assets. Mostly they buy assets like storage, pipelines, things that enable them to have a good insight into what's actually going through the markets at any particular point. What they don't usually do is buy upstream assets that basically mean that they're taking a bet on the markets. It felt, Henry, like the the tail was wagging the dog. You had uh, mining companies that had trading arms, and then all of a sudden you had trading companies that had mining arms. Yeah, and Glencore went from being a a trading company that supposedly had a mining arm to now a company that looks more like a mining company with a trading arm. And if the trading was isolated from the mining, there's a possibility, and this was their justification in the sense when they did the deal, they reckoned that the trading and the mining 
arms would be able to smooth each other out at different points in the cycle. But that hasn't happened. And that's the, the problem we face this week. Can I jump in here? Mike, yes. Henry, do you think there's a, a danger of some contagion happening here that uh, this news is actually going to push commodity prices down further, bearing in mind that that is, in fact, one of the, the major reasons why Glencore is in trouble in the first place? Definitely the drop in commodity prices is causing all the pain at Glencore. The response yesterday actually may help in the short run to push up commodity prices, especially copper, in which Glencore is a big trader, because they've taken some production out. They've taken about 400,000 tonnes of copper production out of the market. And at this point, one of the things that's really weighing on the copper market is oversupply. So the reduction of supply should help in that respect. But at the same time, when Glencore was making its announcement about the need for it to take these precautionary measures, it also used a forecast for copper or implies a forecast for copper that's possibly 20% below where it is now. So it left a sense that there may be further to go in the commodity market slump. Actually, that's a nice segue into our second topic, which is uh, global trade slowing down, largely as a result of Chinese trade slowing down. Some pretty arresting figures out on Tuesday, Mike. Yeah, that's right. We saw imports down by 14%. We saw exports down by 6%. That's in renminbi terms. If we take uh, the dollar terms, it's actually even worse because, of course, we saw the devaluation in the Chinese currency. And that would say imports down by 17, exports down by 10 um, I think actually the import figure is the one that's more concerning. Chinese exports have been in decline for a number of months, but this double-digit import figure suggests that actually Chinese demand for products from elsewhere is a lot weaker than perhaps we thought it was. Yeah, and that's interesting because actually one of the things that was meant to be a bright light of the Chinese economy is that consumption was still doing pretty well. We all remember Tim Cook, the boss of Apple, uh, just as the stock market was as its very worst uh, going on CNBC and reassuring that actually, you know, we're still selling lots of iPhones in, in China. But that suggests that maybe they're not buying so many iPhones. Yeah, that's right. And also, this is not just a China story as well. We've also had uh, some alarming bad data from uh, Korea, where exports were down by 15% last month, even in the US, which you know is an economy that's probably the main growth engine in the world at the moment. Exports were down by 4% in July. You know, We're looking really at a, at a global issue at the moment. Is there anything in the Chinese data that tells us about the strength of global demand for Chinese exports? Presumably, uh, China imports a lot of goods, which it then processes into finished products that it exports. Yeah, it does. And that's actually a really key point. And imports for processing for exports were down by 11% in the first eight months of this year. So there, as a proxy for demand for the rest of the world, that's a, a pretty negative figure. So the US is not really pulling the global trade in a meaningful direction yet? No, it's not. And part of the trouble with the US economy, if you wanted to play that role, is that trade within the US economy uh, is a relatively small portion of the US economy in its entirety. Private consumption in the US is 75% of that economy. Trade is, a, is about 10% imports and exports combined. So actually, you know, if we're looking for the US economy to pull the rest of the world out of a, a trade malaise, we're, we're probably asking it to do something that it's, it's never going to do. Let's move to our third topic, Henry. It's one you've alluded to earlier, copper, uh, which is seen by some as an indicator of economic health. Uh, it's been all over the place recently. What's going on, Henry? Yeah, they used to talk about copper as 
Dr. Copper. It was the stethoscope on the, on the global economy. Dr. Copper is looking very, very sickly and possibly more sickly than, than the world economy is. One of the reasons for that is that copper is being used by hedge funds, both in China and elsewhere, as a way of expressing a very bearish view on China. So if you can't trade in the Chinese stock market or if the Chinese themselves are putting restrictions on the so-called rumor mongering in the stock market and you know, the negative bearishness that's, that was expressed through that, there is no restrictions on using copper, on shorting copper, short-selling copper as a way of expressing a negative view on China. So that certainly has added to the downward pressure. The other big concern about copper at the moment is basically the lack of meaningful data about it. And this is a bigger story in a sense. This is a story of China. China is, as it becomes a bigger consumer of commodities of all types, of copper, of oil, its lack of data is making it much more difficult to assess really the levels of supply and demand in the economy. That leads to more volatility, which is probably great for trading companies, but it makes it very difficult to establish that a price of copper is really telling us something definitive about the state of the economy. So do we think that the world has too much copper around at the moment? Is that the fundamental problem or is it this lack of transparency? We don't really know how much copper there is or that the world needs, partly because a lot of the copper that's out there is presumed to be sitting in warehouses in China and elsewhere, where there are very patchy statistics on. What we do know is that unlike some other metals like iron ore, there's more supply being taken out of the market, as we saw with Glencore. So some of the copper bulls think that actually there is a case to be made fairly soon for a copper rally. But as I say, the data is very dubious. Well, on that copper bottom note, that's all we have time for this week. Thanks, Henry Trix. Thanks, Mike Jakeman. You can read more news on finance, economics and business in our print edition and online at economist.com. In London, this is The Economist. The Economist. Traffic jams, tailgating, pileups. Ugh, the joys of driving. How could it get worse? The federal government wants to have a say in what you drive. That's right. The Biden administration's EPA is pushing mandates that would ban two out of every three vehicles on the road today. Don't let Washington become your backseat driver. Protect the freedom of driving your way. Visit energycitizens.org. Paid for by the American Petroleum Institute.